Hello and welcome. This is season two, episode two of Creative Conversations with Paula McGurdy. Me. Thank you for joining me today. And um, if you've seen these podcasts before, you'll know um, that I talk to amazing female artists within Ireland. And if you're new here, thank you for joining and welcome. Today I talk to Katie Moore, and Katie creates incredibly delicate. Um, installations and we talk about in particular one of her creations that she made with gypsophilia um, which are hung down um, from a thin thread they're otherwise known as baby's breath and the story behind it was so incredibly moving I was quite tearful when she was talking about it Um, she also talks quite openly about her own illness um, as well and how that work has come into her making and creating as well and the conversation is really really beautiful and very honest and open and it was just really lovely to get to know more of Katie's work and what she does as well and I hope you really enjoy this and go and check out her work as well and you will see how just incredibly stunning it is as well and if you're only used to seeing art as painting or drawing or sculpture you will see how amazing a story can tell in such a different way as well um, so i hope you enjoy thank you hi katie how are you hi paula good thank you thanks so much for having me here today well, thank you for coming on um, i'm delighted to have you on board today which is really great very excited how are you doing all good Good, yeah, good, thank you. Um, my baby's gone for a walk and I'm all set to go. <laughs> <laughs> There'll be no um, sudden intrusion then of, of a little person then on your side anyway, so yeah, maybe exactly. on ours, who knows, who knows, anyway. Um, yeah, thanks a million for joining me. I see some of your lovely work there in the background and I was kind of saying on Instagram there, I've had a fascination with your work, Katie, because... Um, I used to work, I had some work quite a while ago. I, I worked with dandelions um, and um, did installations with them. I, the dandelion seeds like heads. And so um, I find it fascinating when other people work with different kind of, I guess, things from nature as well like that. So I'm um, interested to hear um, about oh, wow. your ideas and the context. I'd love to see images of that. That sounds beautiful. Mm. It was in art college, so I guess it wasn't um, it wasn't as well formed now that I was kind of like. But um, yeah, I did a lot of pressed kind of pressed dandelion heads stuck into oh, per perspex, I think it was. But um, oh, yeah. yeah, and it was very. I guess it was very much about my personal story at the time, so it was quite cathartic for me. I guess you know so. Um, Anyway, looking forward to hearing more about your work. Um, can you tell us, I mean, we, I guess we, we start off generally on the podcast about how you got into art and where the, your story began with that. Yeah, of course. Um, I feel like I've always been creative mm. uh, from like a young age. And also I have cystic fibrosis. So I spent mm. a lot of time in hospitals. And, you know, a lot of the time my gifts would be coloring books or my mom would be trying to think of games to entertain me 
which would involve like drawing or her drawing a picture with dots and then I would have to like follow the drawing <laughs> and so yeah it was kind of started there really and mm. then my mum always had a sewing machine in the house mm. so I kind of from drawing and colouring and painting I went on to sewing mm. and making clothes like for for my babies my dolls right. and then clothes for myself and then I just kept into design really I had a design background and I worked in fashion with different mm. fashion design and sewing for them mm. mostly millinery work um, so it was lovely I really enjoyed it and I love like anything I much prefer hand sewing than machine sewing I love anything yeah. to show my hand Mm. Um, and then of course I decided to study as a mature student I was avoiding college for as long as possible <laughs> um, so after working with different designers I decided to go back to college mm. so I studied art and design in Galway um. and yeah I loved it there I chose there because they did textiles I know now at the time you can do textiles in other places but when I was applying, it was Galway. So, um, and it wasn't until I was in my second year or my third year, I became really unwell and I had to work mainly from home or hospital. And then that's when it shifted from design to conceptual art, really. I was um, trying to stay calm when I was like freaking out about being sick and it was my degree year. And then my lecturer was like, oh, why don't you look, why don't you think about doing your work about yourself and your experiences? Mm. Um, so I just was like, oh, my God, can I open that can of worms? Like, I know. But, um, <laughs> yeah. um, and then I thought, oh, like, do I want to, you know, talk about, well, here I am talking about myself, but do I want to even go there? Like, when does it stop almost, I was thinking. Mm -hmm. But anyway, I went there <laughs> and it was a great lecturer. His name is Seamus McGuinness. He's a great conceptual artist. Mm. And um, we ended up having a great friendship and he was a great kind of guidance for me. But um, yeah, so it was from though from third year in college onwards that I kind of started thinking conceptually and like I almost felt like I was a method actor. <laughs> I was like a method artist that every part of my life, um, yeah, I was almost looking at it just from a different viewpoint, which was so interesting um, for me, for sure. And uh, yeah, I think I discovered a lot about art and about myself. And then from there, I've just stuck with, I guess, conceptual art, which I love. Um, but yeah. That's kind of my story. <laughs> wow, so your story is quite unique in terms of your journey into art, I guess, into art. I suppose it was um, possibly quite cathartic um, and definitely going to art college. I, I know from going to art college later on, um, that has a big, that's a big decision to do something like that. But I guess also when you then are faced with an illness, kind of thrown into the mix of all of that, that your experience with art college must have been very different than the average person going 
Yeah, it was so different. And then that the difference became part of my artwork, which was, you know, everything. So it was so different. I was working from home, um, home isolation or hospital isolation. And I am an overthinker anyway. So I was yeah. thinking about like the present, there was such a presence of an absence of like my life, you know, like your life was put on hold when you're unwell. And then I was also thinking about the presence of an absence of me from college, um, which became part of. So that went on for two years. I worked, I did college from home and hospital for two years. I went on to do like an honours level degree and that kind of degree show was mostly mm. about um, about that creating this presence of an absence. Mm. Even though I, I think a lot of the time people think I'm like talking about death or something, but I'm, I just mean being absent from your life, really. Mm. Mm. Um, that's really, really interesting. I because of the the um, the dandelions that I chose, I did them. We were uh, going through fertility treatment, and so I guess it was a lot to do with the, I guess the all of that story behind that and what we were kind of going through and it was many years um that we went through that so for me it was i i under i understand the necessity to kind of make and create within those periods of time um but it's also such a vulnerable thing then to talk about and i guess uh if you're an art college and you're being asked oh would you not think about doing this and Oprah, as you said, like opening up that can of worms, that was such a brave and courageous thing for you to do. Um, do you feel like it was the right decision at the time or do you feel like you were nudged into it or do you f fully own that, I guess? Um, yeah, thanks. That's nice of you to say. But same as you, you put, like, you're putting yourself out there. Um, but no, I think like it was okay for me mm. um also i'm yeah i think it was okay like at certain times i don't know if this happened to you like if someone else says something like i'm putting out my illness mm. <laughs> and i'm kind of like in charge of that in a way um well not that it's i'm in control of it but you know i'm in charge of it in some way of how i discuss it you know, and then, of course, I've had different exhibitions when people have been there and then they think they can say something crazy to me mm -hmm. about my health. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, why did I even do this? Or, you know, but um, I, I am used to talking about CF because of um, I do a lot of advocacy work with CF Ireland, mm. you know, but it was different in um, making something so personal and putting it, putting it out there. But no, I, like the same lecturer said to me and another lecturer like gave me great advice in that always stay true to you and what feels right to you. Mm. So I would be making different things and then come into college and show a lecture and someone, I remember they were like, I was making these hospital gowns out of bandages and they were like, um, oh, I wonder should you embellish it or, you know, people oh. won't see your stitching. And I was like, no, I can't do something for, you know, the sake. Like, there has to be reason behind every little part of the process. Yeah. So, yeah. no, I was, happy, I was happy to say no to them. And 
just to always repeat in my head, like, remember to stay true to who you are and what you want mm. to achieve and what your message is. And don't get handed down kind of by what other people mm. are saying. Mm. And I think, I wonder, is that because you were kind of older as well? You know, you're coming into things like that as a mature artist, as like, um, and you kind of knew yourself yeah. a bit more? Oh, definitely, you know, 100%. I recommend everyone to be a mature student because, yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, my God, it's just, I don't know, I loved it and I appreciated every second of it and I felt mm. so grateful to be there. And, yeah, I knew who I was, so I didn't have to deal with those awful, like, 18, 19-year-old times when it's such a difficult time for anyone. So, yeah, you are right, probably. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because I was talking to um, uh, someone else about this, Eloise Flannery, um, about this yesterday, about going to our college and the difference in ages of going. And I went later, but I also felt, there was part of me that also felt like, I wish I was that 18, 19 year old just having a great time and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I also think when yeah, but when you go as an elder, I think there's real uh focus. You really know why you're there and you've deliberately chosen that course because it's something that you're very focused on. And I think there's a lot to be said for that then as well, you know. Yeah. Oh, I know. There's both sides. Like if they're going out partying every night and I'm like dying to hear how the party went the next day <laughs> but, but, but you're right you're you know what you want to do and you hope to try and achieve it while you're there when you're yeah so talking a bit more about like the day-to-day -day with you then how does that like start how do you start your process or um, do you work every day how does it work for you then uh, well I used to <laughs> I used to work every day and like super strict um mm. because everyone says like you know being an artist it is you know I am self-employed so it is a business really in some ways um but now that I have Milo he's 16 months old and I'm six months pregnant as well oh congratulations <laughs> yeah. wow oh exciting times yeah yeah very so it's changed um since Milo arrived, it's changed, and it's just entirely notebook work, really. Mm. So, um, yeah, I am. I do apply for and write proposals and bursaries, uh, proposals for bursaries and commissions. But um, <clears throat> that might happen in the evenings when he's in bed, or if I can get my mom to babysit. But I haven't yeah. gone down the childcare route. But otherwise, yeah, I have a list, you know, of all the things I want to apply for. But then tick, I love just getting to tick them off when I have applied for them. It's a pleasure. <laughs> yeah, I know. And then, uh, yeah, and then I just keep notebooks. I asked another artist before, I was like, what do I do if I have an idea, but I don't have the money or the time? And... Um, she just said, oh, your notebooks are invaluable. You just always mm. keep your notebook. Mm. So um, I love notebook work. And if I have an idea or if there's text that I someone says something, I have to quickly write it down. And then I'll keep them separate, like, for each idea. Mm. And then if, if a project comes up and I can apply, like, write a proposal around whatever notebook or idea. 
then it works out well. Do you keep a notebook for each separate idea or project that you're working on then? Yeah. <clears throat> yes. Yeah. I love that. I love that. <laughs> Mine are just kind of mashed in together, you know. So that's a much better idea. <laughs> yeah, I just enjoy it so much. Like I was always mm. someone who wrote a diary, and you know, mm. so they are like a diary, really. Um, mm. And do you do drawings in them as well, Katie, or are they mostly notes? Is it is it words that you work with, or? um words and drawing i love drawing like i just love a pencil and paper i love line i think line is just so beautiful that's why i love your paintings with the broken line i think it's so yeah. beautiful it's so simple but it's just you know effective <laughs> so nice you know it's so yeah. beautiful like yeah, it's so nice. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of drawings, and I love little detail drawings, and then like just loose drawings, and then there'd be text beside it, and then it would just keep developing, really. <clears throat> so tell me more about the materials that I use, and I can see some of what's the plant that you use behind you. It's and um, the gypsophilia. Sophia. So was there uh, an idea behind that or did you choose that for a certain reason or can you tell me more about that part um, of your work that process? Yeah, so that was, this was used for, I applied for a new work award with the Arts and Disability Connect and ended up getting it. But my idea, I think I might have just been on the couch and watching the news and they were talking about the mother and baby home in Chew. <clears throat> and um, I just, this happens to me, I just like get a feeling and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I have to make, I just feel compelled like to make something about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I probably wrote something down or, you know, and I just always thought about it. And then when the new work award came up, I just wrote a proposal about it. Um, and normally I want to, acknowledge a situation that has happened or something so I just wanted I guess to acknowledge this and um yeah like empathy is a common theme in my work Um, and I think growing up with an illness you have this empathy for others and um, then that of course seeps into my work so um yeah I just started to research it at the same time I decided to go back to college and do an MA so I decided to use this project as my MA project <clears throat> and um, I went and interviewed a historian, Catherine Corliss. So she worked on the Tum, <clears throat> the Tum um, baby home. So I, she worked on, I guess, all the information about it. So I went and met with her and even though I was talking to her about everything she had researched, she kept talking about home herself and how much she loves her home. I must have complimented her home. Like I was like, oh, it's beautiful. Like she lives in this farmland and it's so nice. And um, she talk, was kept talking about her connection to it. So when I left her, I went to the site and mm-hmm. of the, the old site, which is now a playground randomly. So I went there and I started thinking about the ground and the soil and the earth and like things that grow and 
like just kept re researching plants and stuff and I kept coming back to the gypsophilia because it's babies known as baby's breath <coughs> and yeah so I yeah so then I just started buying bits and I guess I was drawing and thinking about it and thinking about baby's breath I was just I have always been maternal and, you know, always baby fat. And I just felt so sad, as everyone did, but so sad thinking about um, all these unloved babies. You know, it was just devastating. And all the babies I have been around have been so loved. So um, anyway, I, yeah, I just was looking, kept researching and then came up with this installation. <laughs> I'm crying out, actually, Katie. I just, Aww. that's just so beautiful. That's incredible, yeah. Aww. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so I think that must be. Have... Yeah, I mean, I didn't realize that. Yeah. I didn't realize the background. Sorry, Katie. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. No, no, because it's similar. I guess you, you have, when you're talking about your fertility issues, you know, I guess, the other side of like, mm -hmm. you know, the idea of dying for babies and like we you know and that's the kind of background I come from you know but we all like you know we would cherish them and I also then kind of went into the whole thing of the vulnerability of a baby and like it was just awful you know they're at the they're these little vulnerable beings um yeah so I just um and then I was so interested in why I would be why am I so drawn to these things and why was Catherine Corliss so drawn to it like um but anyway yeah so it's entitled entropy so entropy is like when things go from order to disorder and I just had gypsophilia they were hanging upside down and I had some odd audio recordings but I ended up not using them a lot of the time I have extra things to be exhibited and then when I'm in this space, I normally like take everything out and just leave the one thing. Um, even though I think a lot of people are like, uh, oh, is this all that you're showing? Where's the rest of your work? But I just, I don't want anything to take away from the, what I'm trying to do, I suppose. So the less mm -hmm. is better when it comes to it. <clears throat> wow. Wow, I didn't, I had an idea of what it was about, but that is so powerful. That's really powerful, Katie. Um, and what an amazing way to tell a story. I, I've listened to Ashley Longshore a few times. I don't know if you know her. She's an American painter. She's quite, um, she's quite a character, I would say. Um, and she's very outspoken, but she talks about how history, um, about creativity and artists and about the work that we do and the work that we do is so important because we write works we write words or we make things that people can then go back and see in history and go oh that's what that was about and kind of telling the story of things and how powerful and how poignant that is and that is just just incredibly beautiful Katie I think that's so powerful to be able to tell a story beyond what people, how people might understand it, but to see it in a very, very different way through a very different aesthetic. I think that's incredibly beautiful. Um, yeah. Thank you. Um, 
I'm fascinated with also how your aesthetic of how you work as well. So the hanging of them and the delicate, there's such such a delicate nature, isn't it? You know? I know. My boyfriend, Noel, is my helper and he's always like, oh my gosh, please just start doing painting. So we just have to like, okay, <laughs> I'm like, no, wait, here, five days, installation. And like, it has to be, and it's funny with the gypsophilia installation, people were mentioning the grid of how they were installed. Where I thought when I was doing it and working it out, I was like, oh, no one will notice that. Um, but yeah, maybe like from the design back background, that like, you know, for this, there was a grid. So we would draw the grid out onto the ceiling. And yeah. then we just set up like a system in the gallery where I use a lot of invisible thread and yeah, where we would just set up a system and install it. Um, mm. But yeah, I guess I do have to think about the installation and how things would be shown um, mm. as part of the process. Um, mm. So yeah, it can be a bit of trial and error, but mm. um, I'm so grateful when it works out well <laughs> and when yeah. I know I'm in the middle of doing it and I'm like, no, no, I know this will work and I'm happy with it. Yeah, but um, yeah. no, I'd be lost without a helper. I have to have one, obviously, um, for, yeah. for installing things like this. Um, yeah, but then... Delicate. So delicate, yeah, so um, delicate. And I um, enjoy, like, I seem to enjoy things that most people wouldn't, you know, like, I enjoy all these, like, difficult knots that I have to tie with invisible thread you know and I enjoy like hooking it on some way whereas like Noel is tormented by it he's like oh my god why are we doing it and we're tangled in invisible thread but um yeah it's, it's probably all part of the process but um yeah I enjoy it it's therapeutic I guess for me um but I have done larger scale work where a community have been involved um, in part of the making, which is lovely as well. That's nice. I think there's something therapeutic about the rhythm of things as well, kind of doing the same thing over and over again, so the same knots over again, or it's it's like that hand stitch that you were talking about, there's something very, uh, you know, the rhythm of kind of the same thing over and over again, you get into a flow of it. Um, oh, definitely. Yeah. I love that. I remember working with this designer and we were at... <laughs> London Fashion Week and they were like we need another hat and um, oh, I can't believe it and I'm like no no it's fine I'll do it but, and I basically had to do like it was all these individual knots like I think 300 of them wow. um, but I don't mind like I just still and that's why I loved textiles I love like weaving and knitting and crochet and printing like it's just all very therapeutic I think Wow, amazing. So what would you say is the most challenging part about being an artist or do you have any challenges? <laughs> no, I'm always like, we're doing well. If we can get up in the morning and <laughs> get into a, a workspace. Um, the most challenging probably for me now is time you know, like mm. my time. Um, but really, at the same time, I am very, I am at peace with not being as busy and being with Milo. Like I just, like it's such a privilege and I feel so lucky. But um, 
yeah, time and for me it's like, you know, the challenges are, okay, make sure you write your proposals on time and get them in on time. And then also um, I'm not like a competitive person or I'm not like, you know, I, I'm just very much not kind of do my own thing, I suppose. So I'm yeah. focused on that and I'll always be happy for people. Um, I know in the art world it can be competitive, but um, I think so to make it less difficult for you is just to forget about anything like that, you know, and just be at peace with what you're doing and the process of what you're doing. I think there are obviously difficult aspects because you're self-employed and you need money, you know, <laughs> and, and you um, put this pressure on yourself to be creative. But um, I don't know, I, I just seem to be able to try to just focus. Obviously, I have I try to focus on being positive and mm. um, having a healthy attitude, but I suppose sometimes it's difficult for me when I write a proposal, then I get it, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to make this. Yeah. <laughs> and I panic about that. I'm like, oh my God, whatever about it being on paper, but now I have to make it. And, you know, I have, I all, it always happens, I'll have a slight panic about it. And, you know, then I get over it. But, um, you know, and then, of course, what other things are annoying that you're self-employed and have to do your taxes, but they're all okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, have you done any background in terms of business, the business side of things? Have you looked into that or have you just free-flowed it through or how does that work for you? Um, yeah, I have kind of free-flowed it, but in a way, when I was in college, um, so having worked with the different, worked with fashion, then when I was in college, I just used to work for myself at the weekends making hats. So I kind of had this business head already um, where I knew I had to come home. I had the appointments. I would have to make these um, hats for mother of the brides or whatever. Um, so yeah, I had a business kind of head in that regard. And I have a good work ethic. Um, but so I haven't done any, even though I know when you finish college, they're all like, now you should do a business course. But um, I haven't, I haven't done any. <laughs> Just winging yeah. it, hoping for the best. Yeah, well, if that's working, that is, yeah, I mean, if you already have kind of a business head, that's really good, isn't it? You know, so um, I think a lot of Yeah, artists... how about you? Um, yeah, I guess kind of just winging it and <laughs> hoping for the best as well. Um, I do wish I had looked into that a bit more earlier on, but it's definitely something that I'm taking a bit more serious now. And I've just signed up for a business course. So I feel like okay. it's, yeah, I feel like it'll give me a bit more direction. Um, okay. And I think it's very valuable for a lot of artists, actually, if they don't really know, because I would love to see more of that being talked about in art college and you know even if there was a small module on it you know for artists to kind of show them a way to actually make a living from it I think it'd be really valuable and so yeah pushing oh, into it a bit more yeah yeah, yeah. Um, oh yeah I thought that as well I and mean, it was a topic all the time in college oh. that there should be a module on business but yeah. um when I w went back to do my master's there was a professional professional 
development. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they had like people from the Arts Council come in to us and give us talks and show us. Yeah, so it was good. Um, really good. But yeah. Yeah. Hope you're fantastic. Yes, well, fingers crossed. I hope so too. I just need to put it into action then, Katie. That's it, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So what do you think are, like, what would you say that was the kind of the the challenging things about being a creative person? What are the things that you completely love and that you are positive, I guess, you know? Um, Yeah, I just think, like, I'm so lucky. I feel so lucky to have art art in my life and that I was so I think it's a privilege really um to get to go to art college and like I just yeah I just think I couldn't imagine my life without it um and I think mixed with me and my long-term illness like I see things differently or I view things differently and that mixed with um I guess my creativity like I just feel lucky with, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's part of me and it makes me, I guess, who I am. But yeah. no, I love it. Mm. Have you apart felt... From... Sorry, go on, Katie. <laughs> no, it's just like, apart from people, you know, thinking it's a hobby or... <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know. That's, I think, why I'm very like, oh, no, art is is in many ways a business you know and I feel like Mm -hmm. to debunk that idea of art as a hobby instead of it's people seeing it as a as a you know a proper career path for people and that you know it's uh it can be a thriving business for many people as well you know which can be a bit taboo saying as well you know a lot of people don't want to talk (laughs) about those things but yeah can I ask on a more personal level um in terms of your illness, Katie, has that affected the way you work or what you choose to work with? Does that come into it at all? Or, um, Yeah, well, I definitely knew um, that I wouldn't be well enough to work in design, you know, mm-hmm. that I wouldn't be well enough to fashion. So I just, mm-hmm. that's when I also decided to go and study art. But um yeah like when I that time when I was working from hospital or home and I didn't have access to materials in the college you know I was like what will I do what will I use so I just started collecting things in the hospital and started working with those like I just started collecting gauze like bandages and stitched with them um and it was all part of the process like even touching the bandage and opening up the bandage and like feeling it um, and like stitching on it. And yeah, it's probably all to do with materials. I know I went through a stage of hair loss and I was collecting my hair and then I stitched with my hair um, for another piece of work. So yeah, it definitely affects the way I would choose my materials in in that way, but um, Mm yeah. And also, I have to think of, like, I couldn't use anything, like, you know, anything that would affect me. Um, I can't remember what it was. I was interested in glass, maybe. I think it was glass, and it wasn't advised. But, yeah, no, definitely materials um, would be part of the process of 
kind of what's happening for me at the time. And you've mentioned um, your little boy um, and, you know, you're... You've got another little one on the way. Um, has motherhood yeah. changed things for you other than, I mean, obviously time is a big factor when you have children, but has it changed your thought process in your work or the direction that it goes or has that influenced you in any way? Um, yeah, definitely. Like I always think, I always thought because of my CF, because of my illness, mm. I always thought I saw everything. I was like, mm. you know, because I spend a lot of time in isolation and you're like observing everything. I was like, I see everything. And then when I had Milo, I was like, oh my gosh, now I think I see everything. <laughs> like uh, it was just the way I viewed, I viewed things. Yes, I was like, yeah. wow. <clears throat> um, yeah, I just thought that for sure. And then of course I had this notebook on a project on nurturing, you know, and, mm-hmm. and that was just when I had Milo. So. Yeah, there's definitely an idea of work about nurturing and that would definitely be from him. Mm. But yeah, no, it's so inspiring. Like I just think um we're so lucky, you know, I just feel so lucky to have him and that I got to experience that. And um you were talking about fertility issues. I made a piece of work about having a miscarriage before I had Milo. Um, so I was pregnant and then found out it was an unhealthy pregnancy and then made this piece of work um, with the gypsophilia but it was a different piece about it so then of course it would only be you know I I just because I'm an overthinker I just think like um, when I look at him I'm like oh my gosh I can't believe you're my baby (laughs) you know I can't believe how lucky I am to have you and then it's just such a miracle isn't it you know you look at his little hands and his little face and like you're like oh my gosh I can't believe this but yeah yeah, I definitely um appreciate all that I have and so with him yeah he's definitely inspiring in that way (laughs) yeah I think children it makes you see things as you said like you thought you see you thought you were aware of everything could see everything when a child comes into the picture I think just the way they pick things up and like they're just like, so fascinated by every detail oh. and stop and look at everything along the road and there's such such curiosity isn't there you know and I remember yeah. when my kiddies were a bit younger I think um one of them was about three or something and I they asked me a question about something very very random about like oh what how does that work or what is that and I realized actually they don't know the answers to the the things that we often take for granted in terms of I don't know put your shoes on or to close the gate behind you or whatever the the things like that or don't put the or put the put the lid back on something they they don't understand why those things have, have to happen or What's this? What's a cloud, or you know, why is the sun come up in the morning? They just it, the curiosity is just absolutely amazing, isn't it? And it just makes you see life in a very, very different and um, open way, I guess. You know, oh, definitely. Like it's it's just so lovely that we get to experience that with them. You know, it's yeah. just their curiosity is limitless i suppose it's yeah, so nice it is. 
beautiful. I remember this book um, from first year in college, and it was John Berger's Ways of Seeing. And I had to write an essay on it. But um, I loved it. I love that, you know, the way we see things and view things is because of what we already know. And there's nothing Mm -hmm. as pure, really, as the way a baby or a child view things. He came to speak at us actually in in college. Him and his grandson, the two of them. Oh my came. god! Yeah, and it was really lovely. They did like a a kind of Q and A, and I hadn't read his book at that stage, and I wished that I had. I wished I'd gone in kind of knowing a bit more. But our tutor at the time, she just was beaming about him. But it was it was actually really quite magical. You know, it was lovely. Um, wow that was a special yeah. experience yeah it was um, but you know what though Katie at that, at that moment in time I didn't realize it was kind of in hindsight that I realized how special that was you know okay yeah but, yeah hmm. so speaking of all things curious and joyful what are the things that bring you joy outside of I guess making and creating is there anything that you do that you feel like <clears throat> you kind of veer towards um yeah I love the outdoors um mm. I love living in the west of Ireland and I love going hiking mm. uh, I just feel so lucky to have all this beautiful countryside around me um so yeah I, lo- I love nature really and just going for walks <laughs> um nothing better than like fresh air um really Mm-hmm. and yeah I love you know I love music and I love reading um and also I just love my friends and chatting <laughs> and food you know and food I have such yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah um, but yeah hiking would be one of my favorite I guess mm, how nice. about you what would be your your yeah. favorite path? I guess um, I'm very drawn to the woods these days. I think um, the trees and the woods. So I'll often say to the kids, where shall we go? Will we go to the beach or we go to the woods? And I'm almost, I feel like I want them to say the woods every time these days. I think (laughs) so lush with being, I don't know, it's the leaves and the beauty of those that I suppose I never, growing up as a kid, you're always like, attracted to all of the flowers and the big bold colours but it's kind of later on that I've realised there's so much subtlety in the colours of the different graduations of the colours of leaves and the things around you so I guess yeah for me nature is a big thing getting out and um, running is a big thing as well which I say that but sometimes I fall off the bandwagon and then I get back into it but getting out and just being Outside and breathing, and I think it brings an amazing stillness to your mind as well and um, kind of shifts things as well, you know, but also just being around my family, that's really it, you know. Anything creative and family and, yeah, I've quite enjoyed the slow life, actually, more lately, which has been really lovely. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. I have I have great hopes of maybe moving to the country eventually, but I don't know if that's ever going to I don't know. I'm kind of a city girl and I think I like the idea of it and then another part of me goes, 
would it be too quiet for me? But um, yeah. lockdown has made me realize how I actually really thrive in those situations as well, you know? And um, so, who knows? who knows? I know. But you can't leave your lovely black house. <laughs> oh, I know, I know. I could have a, a weekend retreat somewhere, though, you know? <laughs> perfect, that's perfect. perfect. But that's, that's, that's yeah. the dream, really, isn't it? Um, yeah. So what's next for you then, Katie? What do you have any any plans in the pipelines? Obviously, a baby is a big, huge plan <laughs> and it's a big, huge life-changing thing. Are you hoping to get anything done before that or are you just enjoying these moments with your little boy? Or... Um, yeah, a bit of both, I suppose. I do have a few things um, <laughs> coming up but like only starting, but they have to be finished by the end of the year. So, um, yeah, so there is one project that I was invited on to. Um, so hopefully that goes well. And what was my other project that I was invited on to? But yeah, some little ones, um, which are great to have um, that I'll be doing and hopefully they turn out well. Um, but otherwise, yeah, it's being at home with Milo, working on some sketchbooks and then like napping while he naps. <laughs> yes, that's very important, definitely. Yeah. 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 Mm. Oh, well, thank you so much, Katie, for coming on today. And I just loved hearing about your story. It's just so beautiful. Um, and I think just the deeper meaning from it, just, it's just really really just poignant I guess you know and I guess the culture that that here in Ireland that we live in and the history of that um it's just it's been very hard I, I feel like it's very heartfelt for me anyway and I'm sure people who have seen that piece of your work um probably felt the same as well but it's it's lovely to hear also how you've journeyed through your own illness as well and how that has um reflected but also infected your your own life like in terms of your creativity as well and that's lovely to see as well and hear about so thank you so much for coming on um uh, thank you lovely to chat so thanks so much for the invitation no problem where can people find you then katie where can we point you towards um yeah on my instagram um so i'm yeah, on my Instagram, at uh, Katie yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and also my website then as well, um, com. Yeah, Brilliant. those are my two main points. Fantastic. Thanks a million, Katie, and we'll keep in touch and have a lovely weekend and um, enjoy, if it's sunny there, enjoy the sunshine and love to know what's happening in the next coming months and so and good luck with everything, with the pregnancy and all that kind of stuff in the next few months as well. Uh, thank you so much. Yes, we will yeah. keep in touch. Yeah. Take care, Katie. Bye.